Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have back with us again here today Mr. Cliff Justice. Cliff is a principal in the U.S. firm and one of the firm's leaders in terms of its focus on cognitive automation. So, Cliff, thanks for joining us here again today on Advice Worth Keeping. Nice to be here, Stan. So the topic today is one near and dear to your heart, but also a big one, and it's cognitive automation. And what I wanted to do today is hear from you how our listeners can really think about the totality of cognitive automation because there's, there's a lot of moving parts to this. And we hear about robotics process automation. We hear about cognitive. We hear about digital labor and a lot of other terms that all fall under the same umbrella but mean different things. What we're sensing in the market is organizations are sometimes a little bit confused when they think about should they be doing RPA, should they be doing cognitive, should they do them both at the same time, should they do them one after the other. And as some of our listeners know, KPMG has developed a three-stage continuum where we describe the evolution of process automation from basic to enhanced robotics process automation to cognitive. But it's not necessarily a continuum where we're encouraging organizations to do one after the other. It's really three different ways of looking at process automation. With the totality of automation today, what are all the different pieces? And then we can talk about how organizations should approach adopting different types of automation and understanding how far should they be going with each one independently or in parallel. With Maybe to start out with, when we think of cognitive automation today, what should we be thinking about so we're not missing anything? The best way to think about cognitive automation, Stan, is really simply it's the automation of activities that have required cognitive thought and focus. We can look at these activities on a spectrum ranging from simple rules-based activities to those cognitive activities that are very complex and require a lot of abstract thinking and judgment. The tools that you would use to automate those activities tend to fall on a spectrum ranging for the simple task and for those activities that are very rules-driven. Those would be tools that deploy less artificial intelligence and less machine reasoning and a little bit more of the basic automation. That would be what we would call class one and tend to see what's known as robotic process automation emerge as a category of tools that fills that need in the market. These would be activities that tend to be transaction processing, data entry, very rules-driven and not a whole lot of subjective judgment or reasoning is involved. There's a rules library that a machine can point to and make a deterministic decision on an action to be taken. Those tools in that category would be robotic process automation, class one tools. As we move into more complex activities, those activities that involve interpretation of pictures or video or natural language in the form of prose or voice or conversation, those activities tend to involve technology tools that are more probabilistic and involve more machine learning, machine reasoning. You would see these activities in call centers and customer care, and the types of capabilities are emerging in the market that involve chatbots and virtual personal assistants that are underpinned by more artificial intelligence and machine learning. The term we would use in the market for this classification of tools would be class two. And these would be robotic process automation tools that have workflow and they have 
capabilities that are similar to class one, but because of the nature of the activities that they have to interpret and the inputs that have to be interpreted, the types of tools and the types of capabilities involve machine learning and machine reasoning and some more advanced technologies that are less deterministic and a little bit more probabilistic. So that would be examples of class two. The call center is a great example. The virtual personal assistant, you're seeing these emerge with technologies like Google Now or Amazon's Alexa or Microsoft's Cortana or a number of other technologies in the market like IPsoft's Amelia. And then those activities that involve a lot more expertise in judgment and decision-making, less defined inputs, and a lot more judgment as it relates to an output or a decision. Those types of activities like discovery or accounting or tax advice or fraud detection, these activities would involve a much more complex range of technologies, which include data and analytics technologies. It includes a much more comprehensive set of cognitive computing tools, as well as machine reasoning and machine learning technologies. So this would be the most advanced class of cognitive automation technologies we would refer to in that category of class three. You see use cases and examples. In our case, we're we're teaching uh, class three technologies like IBM Watson, how to perform a credit audit and augment an auditor's capabilities to conduct audits and conduct more comprehensive audits, less reliant on sample sets of data, correlation of data and commentary and information that's coming off of social media, and applying that to knowledge and probabilistic decision-making that's underpinned by the cognitive technology. A real-life example of how a Class 3 technology works would be in the self-driving car, where cognitive technology is able to visualize a lot of different images, patterns, make determinations, probabilistic decisions on the nature of an object that's in a road, whether it's a human or an animal, or reading the text on a street sign, determining the traffic patterns, and then executing a command to the vehicle to take an evasive maneuver or some other course of action. Those would be more advanced cognitive technologies that we see executing tasks in real-life physical robot like automobiles. That's sort of the range of the spectrum of activities and use cases ranging from the very routine rules-based transactional activities to the more unpredictable and non-routine cognitive activities. Sounds like, Cliff, that even though we've identified three classes of capabilities, that it isn't necessarily the case where an organization would pursue them sequentially, mastering class one before moving to class two. So it sounds like an organization could be pursuing all three independently based on the needs of a particular function or the needs of the organization. There's many of the activities that involve much more judgment and the data inputs are much less concrete and they're more abstract. They involve interpretation of images or videos, or they involve interpretation of the text that's embedded in documents or emails. Those require a different class of technologies that's more cognitive in nature to interpret the inputs 
to make a decision on how to execute a task, those would use the class three tools. The class one tools are a much simpler set of technologies that are much more deterministic and the commands and the execution protocols are much more rules-based and deterministic based on the input. So then it would seem from an organizational perspective in terms of developing a strategy and identifying who's going to execute on that strategy, you're going to have potentially very many players. It could really be all functional areas within an organization. So you could have one group looking at opportunities of cognitive around research and development or perhaps understanding their customer needs. And you could have another group that's looking at some of the class one and class two in terms of just improving the efficiency of the back office. How does an organization get their arms around this? Is it a case where there should be a organization-wide cognitive strategy or should it be a scenario of for each part of the organization as part of their strategy and operations, they need to weave in cognitive and it could be class one, two, or three based on their needs? The way I would look at it is I wouldn't get caught up too much on the class one, class two, class three, other than how the digital tool sets and the technologies would apply to your function. If you're running a call center and you're looking at expanding the capability of the call center and developing chatbots or virtual personal assistants, you're going to be looking at class two technologies by definition. Those are technologies that fall into the category of machine learning, understanding and perceiving inputs and communicating outputs based on its understanding of that conversation with a customer. If you're developing just a robotic tool to execute a task that is where the rules are defined, the inputs are defined, maybe in a back office function, those would tend to be class one type tools that you'd be working with. So it really depends on your function, the nature of the information and the data, context of the data that you're working with to, before you would determine the types of tool sets or cognitive technologies or robotic technologies that you'd be working with. This is really about automation, and there's a whole range of tools and capabilities in the market ranging from simple to sophisticated that would apply to your needs as a business. Given that, are there situations, though, where an organization or parts of organization really should look at progressing across these three classes? For example, I've made investments in class one and class two. I've increased the efficiency of a back office operation, and that's great. I've reduced headcount. I've reduced errors. I've reduced costs, so that's great. But should I then look to cognitive to help me get greater insights from those activities? So say it's something in the finance and accounting function, for example, or human resources. Is it natural I should then look to cognitive to help me on the effectiveness side so I really can augment that? Or is it enough to say I just save some money and improve the efficiency? Or really, is there potentially a cognitive play in anything in terms of learning more about the activity and gleaning some insights from the activity? So I didn't just reduce costs, I improved my capability. So similar to the old story around outsourcing, it's great to save money, but what can you do for me besides that? I think that cognitive technologies will be embedded in just about everything that we do as we go forward. The technologies are becoming more and more ubiquitous, and you'll have elements of cognitive natural language processing in almost every type of tool and technology in the future. I think it's a business case decision. You look at the value that you get from embedding cognitive technologies to a certain function, determine the cost of setting up a knowledge corpus and all of the core needs that a cognitive system requires to be an intelligent system and determine the return on investment that you would get from that. If it's a small, simple finance function, you might be better off with a simple robotic solution. If you're looking at an enterprise transformation of finance, then there's probably a better case 
to bring machine learning and artificial intelligence and what we refer to as cognitive computing as a potential enabler of the overall transformation. You've got to look at the uses of it. If your business cases and your use cases and your functions warrant the use of cognitive technology, then there's many business cases that are being considered in the market today for that. We're using it in our core audit business, which is a very large business, and we believe will drive a lot of effectiveness and improved quality from that. We believe that it's a technology that will enhance and work alongside our professionals as opposed to just make the process more efficient. I think you have to look at uh, technologies that are available. You have to look at the business case. You have to look at what goes into really establishing a cognitive capability and really determine the impact of the organization. Okay, Cliff, well, thank you very much for this. I think you've done a great job of laying out the different dimensions of cognitive, but also I think with that last point, helping organizations to understand that the most advanced types of cognitive will become pervasive today, at least, and going forward, there's a real cost to investing in the technology and the capabilities to exploit that. So there is going to be, a, as you described, a scale question today that organizations need to think about before they just look to implement some of the more advanced and also more complicated and expensive technologies. But I think this gave us a great lay of the land. Thank you for your time today on this, and we'll have to get you back. So I would like to dig deeper into some more of these real-world examples you're seeing out there. You gave some good ones today, but perhaps can talk a little bit more about some of those representative examples to give our listeners an idea of what's happening in the world today as we speak. So, Cliff, thanks again for your time today. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us. Podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.